I want to invite you to join us for the first ever Bitcoin Business Owners Roundtable. On May 22nd, Paul D. Joe, co-founder and former COO at Mudwater, will be sharing about online marketing and using Bitcoin to accelerate your efforts. In addition to helping scale the well-known coffee alternative, Paul is also behind Casey Cattle's recent Bitcoin adoption that went viral on Twitter. After Paul shares, there'll be a live Q&A along with the time to share insights and network with fellow entrepreneurs. You can find a link in the show notes to sign up. Be sure you'll be able to say, I was there when your progeny asked you where you were for the first ever Bitcoin Business Owners Roundtable. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is James Lawrence, who's the co-founder and CEO of NGiven, which is a company that helps nonprofits grow their missions through donations of cryptocurrency. Listen, you may not be a nonprofit leader, but you're probably connected to nonprofits, either as a donor or a board member. And I want you to think about during this interview whether or not something like NGiven could be beneficial for those organizations. We're going to get to our interview with James right after this. Business owners, unlock the benefits Bitcoin has to offer your business with the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. This 27-page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with Bitcoin. Check it out in the show notes. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. So I'd like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? Yeah, let's do it. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin? Uh, well, I learned about Bitcoin back in, I have to say it would be uh, 2011. So fa fairly early on, uh, you know, c compared to kind of when most most folks heard about it. And I, I believe it was a discussion I was having with a friend of mine who was uh, very into early technologies and was always coming up to me with uh, interesting ideas related to uh, innovation and kind of new tech and was asking me about Bitcoin. And, and what I had known about it at that point was really kind of what I had heard about kind of on dark web and Silk Road and how people were using Bitcoin to uh, buy guns and drugs online, which mm. was, you know, super fascinating. And uh, it was an area where I, I didn't spend a lot of time, but I certainly had heard about it. And as I watched uh, Bitcoin sort of evolve, I, I spent a little more time in blockchain, my background's in software engineering. So blockchain just as an infrastructure technology became you know, really fascinating to me and sort of how it was used uh, in Bitcoin as an example of, uh, of blockchain. And then I, uh, I finally gotten around to uh, buying some in uh, early 2013. And that's when I finally kind of put my money where my mouth was because I was starting to talk about Bitcoin as being this thing that could potentially be a game changer. And I, I finally said, you know, as an engineer, I got to figure out how this works. Uh, so I ended up uh, back in back then. I think Mt. Gox was the uh, the, the the big Bitcoin trading platform that uh, was trading most of the Bitcoin around the world at that time. And I, I was able to set up an account and buy my first my first tranche. And I've been a pretty big fan, uh, as you can imagine, ever since. Now I know a lot of people lost a lot of Bitcoin with Mt. Gox. Did you have any issues there? You know, thankfully, I did not. I, I had it for uh, about about a year, and uh, so I, I think I got in at just under a hundred hundred dollars per per Bitcoin. And I remember when it hit a thousand, I thought to myself, 
that's got to be it. Like Bitcoin could never go higher than this. Just, just this just seems like such a huge increase, and you know, 10x on my investment, uh, which, quite frankly, I never had. You know, huge aspirations of Bitcoin uh, being this appreciated asset, right? It was always, oh, this will be something that will potentially be a replacement for fiat, and it'll you know probably stay really low. Uh, or at some point, it'll sort of even out and it'll be really useful uh, mm-hmm. to buy things, buy services, whatnot. Uh, so I ended up selling some of it. And then in that process, I ended up moving it to uh, to to my own, you know, my own wallet that I custodied myself. And not too long after, you know, Mount, you know, Mount Gox imploded and, you you know, you know, the story there. So, yeah, thankfully, I was I was I was spared of uh, the insanity that happened in that particular case. And uh, you know, I'm still hoping that most people that that lost lost Bitcoin in there have uh, have gotten it back at some point. The next question is this: What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish that everyone understood? Well, there's there's probably a few. I mean, one fun fact is you can buy tacos, street tacos, in El Zante, El Salvador, <laughs> with it, <laughs> which I think is just really awesome. Uh, I think most people don't know that the you know that the total circulating supply is is getting pretty close to to the end. And it's going to be kind of fascinating to see how, uh, what the adoption looks like, what the value of it looks like. Does it stabilize? Uh, does it become you know more valuable because now it's you know there's there's no more being minted? Uh, but I think I think that's a kind of a fascinating topic that that most people just think oh Bitcoin's going to just you know continue to be minted forever and and you know we're we're you know we're we're not too far away from seeing kind of the end of uh, you know the supply being uh, being minted. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some people listening to this will already know that there's only going to be ever 21 million with quite a few of those having been lost. But what a lot of people don't think about is the fact that 19 million of those already are out there. So from now until 2140, whenever it is, 2 million uh, have left to be minted. And that's that's pretty incredible to wrap your mind around. It is indeed. The third question is this. What's the Bitcoin resource you most recommend to other people? You know, I like reading the uh, news publications that are focused on crypto. And I mean, Bitcoin.com is great. Coindesk. Uh, I I try to, uh, you know, use Google Alerts for Bitcoin uh, for interesting things that might pop up. And uh, I I, I do my best to kind of stay up on certain Reddit groups. Uh, So I think it's, it's really a preference on how you like to digest your content. Uh, so specifically around Bitcoin, I think there's some great resources. There's lots of good blogs. Uh, there's there's many uh, you know Bitcoin maximalists on Twitter that provide great insights about what's going on, where you know you know wh- which whales are pulling fund you know Bitcoin out of exchanges and self custodying or whatnot. And so I think it's it's uh, it's really up to the the user to kind of understand you know determine what they like, how they like their, their data, you know, provided to them. But there's just so much good info out there that uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't just focus on one particular area. I try to keep a pulse through a variety of different you know, news media. Question four is beyond Bitcoin, what's a resource or an idea that's been valuable to you or your business recently? I really like the idea of Bitcoin providing some kind of earning capability. And so I'm not sure this, this directly answers your question, but I think that's an area where uh, most folks don't have much of a perspective or understanding about, about the fact that if you, if you own Bitcoin, if you're a holder and you, you can also uh, have some opportunity to, to earn some interest on, on that holding. And I believe 
you know, most people that, that are holding it for the long term should be at least looking into that. So I think that's, that's an area where, uh, as an organization, we want to be helpful to maximize the, you know, the investment and the, the resources that, that especially our clients, which are charities, uh, are receiving through, uh, through holding those assets. So, um, you can sort of put along that the, uh, kind of all that's going on in, you know, the DeFi world, like wrapped Bitcoin and all that, um, not necessarily directly, you know, Bitcoin, but a way to express the Bitcoin concept in, in other tokens is, is, is interesting. Our final question is what we call the arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Definitely why not. Why do you say that? And I think as an innovator, we have to look at providing solutions where the the business case may not always make perfect sense. Uh, we have to, uh, to innovate. You're often creating something that people don't yet know they want. And I think I think the way... The only way you can approach that and, and sort of keep your keep your sanity and keep going is to have a have a belief and a and a decision system built around questioning the status quo. And you know, I think we certainly did that with and given for a long time. There were very few people interested in donating, you know, Bitcoin. There was very few charities that were interested in receiving it. And yet we had this very sort of foundational view of like, well, why not? Like, why, why not donate it? Why not receive it? And it eventually it became very clear to both donors and, and charities, uh, there was a real value here. There's a real opportunity here. And so I think that, uh, you know, the, that kind of approach is what entrepreneurs need to have to, to get out of bed every day and fight the fight in, until the market catches up with their idea. Meet Linkster, your premier Bitcoin-focused advisor. Linkster caters to businesses, institutions, family offices, and high-net-worth individuals. They merge your unique financial goals and needs with Linkster's Bitcoin expertise to craft your own sustainable plan to preserve and grow the value of your hard-earned profits and retained earnings. And Linkster is not just advice. It's tailored execution. Connect directly with the founder by visiting Linkster.com. That's L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. Com. Linkster, secure your future with Bitcoin. Today's episode of Business Bitcoinization is proudly brought to you by Vellus Commerce, where the future of business technology meets Bitcoin. As we journey through the era of Bitcoin and its transformational impact on businesses, there's one name that stands out. Vellus Commerce. Whether you're looking to build a cutting-edge website, a seamless mobile app, or custom software, Vellus is your go-to team. They've been diving deep into the world of Bitcoin since 2014, making them one of the most experienced groups for integrating Bitcoin and Lightning payments into a variety of digital platforms. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellus Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project's success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellus Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellusCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellus Commerce. Let's make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. Well, James, we're here today to talk about Ngiven and all that Ngiven makes possible for nonprofits especially. But maybe we can talk a little bit about the the donating side as well when it comes to donating Bitcoin to organizations. That being said, I'd love to hear from you about Ngiven and maybe even drawing from some of your previous experience creating, I think, at least two, maybe three other companies. Maybe some of the things you learned in the process to lead up to Ngiven. Sure. Well, 
my adventure into uh, being an entrepreneur really started in my uh, kind of mid-20s during the dot-com era and learned a lot about kind of markets, product market fit, uh, the hype that often is often associated with uh, emerging technologies and opportunities. And, you know, that instructed, you know, a lot of uh, kind of what the sequence of you know my career and various companies that I've started and, and, and been involved with, I think the you know the fascination around uh, flow the digital flow of funds has kind of started when uh, my company uh, back in this would be uh, nineteen uh, the late nineteen nineties. Was tasked with building, uh, you know, essentially a, dig- a digital payment slash money movement service uh, that was also connected to Wells Fargo's uh, uh, one of their mainframes, and it was a really just interesting process learning learning that uh, how much more efficient it was to to move digital assets electronic move them electronically uh, versus versus sort of the old school uh, way of doing things, and and that had always been kind of in the back of my mind. You know, and as as we uh, as my my current business partner Matt Hayes and I started in uh, Given, really the 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 genesis for that started you know back when we uh, created a company called MoGive, which was in late two thousand eight, and and that that company was started to provide a text to give service for charities as a way to generate more income, and we quickly figured out that most charities were not quite ready for that. Uh, they hadn't uh, really adopted credit card giving yet. And so what we did is we we kind of retooled the product to support uh, ACH and credit card giving. And at that point, very few charities accepted credit cards for donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and obviously that wave, we rode that wave for, for eight years or so in, until the company was acquired in 2016. And we, you know, we understood at that point what charities really needed from a from a fintech, ex, you know, experience, and you know, also the sales cycle and how to support and whatnot. And and you know, charities as organizations are uh, they're they're nuanced from the various types of verticals in the in that space. And so, one organization, for example, you know, churches. We had many churches on our platform. They have a very unique giving experience, unrelated to say, uh, humane society, uh, or a, a public charity where, you know, they, they have a different kind of fundraising, uh, cadence. Uh, so we learned a lot and, you know, we, after we sold that company, we, we weren't really all that interested in doing fundraising anymore. And prime, the primary reason was we just didn't feel like there was a lot of innovation left in the space. There was plenty of companies that were doing a great job. There was lots of options. Uh, we felt like the charitable market was pretty well served by the technology technology that were out from a giving standpoint. Uh, but nobody was interested in blockchain uh, and nobody was doing anything from a fundraising standpoint uh, around at that time, Bitcoin. And it was an area where I started to talk to leaders of various charities and ask them, you know, have you heard of Bitcoin? Are you interested in it? And there was this sort of curiosity. Uh, there, there clearly wasn't a desire to adopt it. There wasn't a big motivation or a big push but there was a curiosity. And so what we decided to do is take a very long methodical approach to determining whether or not we thought there was going to be a business uh, for uh, charitable donations of Bitcoin. And, you know, we, we spent quite a long time in the regulatory and compliance environment, 
uh, understanding the tax implications, uh, you know, what it looked like from a, from a flow of funds and, you know, transmitting uh, digital assets, what have you. And we finally came to the conclusion that we understood pretty well how to roll this out and then pass along kind of all the compliance and regulatory guidelines that we had learned to our clients so that we could then go to a nonprofit and present them with a solution that we knew they would keep them safe, would keep the donor safe, uh, and would provide, you know, an elegant experience for, you know, for both of them. And so that's really what we, we kind of got to that point. And then we decided to build our system, which in many ways was modeled after a traditional digital giving platform, which we had, you know, obviously had done for, for many years. So that part of it was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty straight, pretty straightforward. Uh, but e- even then there was a long, you know, there's a long period from the time we had started the company to where we started onboarding customers. And then it wasn't really until 2021 where kind of that product market fit that, that, you know, every entrepreneur looks for, uh, really started to, to show itself. So in the past, I've worked at a nonprofit, and I know that nonprofits never want to say no to a gift, especially if there is obvious value there. Sometimes every once in a while, you want to make sure that it's actually valuable if it's a gift in kind. But that being said, I'd be curious to know what receiving a donation in Bitcoin might look like with InGiven and without InGiven. Like, so so what is what is the value that InGiven brings to the process besides just a little bit of explanation and clarity? Sure. Well, well, we have a methodology that uh, follows what we believe are the obligatory compliance uh, requirements for uh, organizations who are uh, accepting and exchanging crypto. Uh, so, so part of that is is, is uh, when when an organization signs up with us, it's very similar to if they were to walk into their local Bank of America and open up a checking account. So there's a there's a verification process. Um, KYC email process that we put them through. And that, that helps to ensure uh, our platform and our, and our partner exchange, which is Gemini, uh, that they are, uh, they are in good standing. And Gemini also, by the way, puts them through their compliance department. So there's sort of this two compliance processes that they have to go through, uh, which, which some charities just quite frankly, don't want to, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to go through it and maybe they'll go self self custody. And I'll talk about that solution in, in a minute. Uh, but once they're onboarded onto our platform, we provide a customized giving page. We, uh, we, we, once the donate, we provide a great donation interface for that, for their givers. Uh, and, and once the donation is made, our system, uh, monitors the blockchain, ensures that it's verified on the blockchain. Uh, and then for most of our clients, we'll actually exchange it for us dollars in, in real time. And it's a fully automated process. And then we send a receipt to the donor uh, we, uh, we move the funds directly from, uh, their exchange account into their local bank account. And that's if they've converted it. And then we also provide a custody solution. So we're, we're, you know, we're big fans of, uh, of crypto. We're, we're huge fans of Bitcoin. And, and we believe that there's a long-term strategy there for organizations that, that want to hold it. Many, many don't, um, many aren't sure. So we actually have a custody solution built and fully integrated into our platform for those who want to hold Bitcoin. And it goes into Gemini's cold storage system. And it's, uh, it's a great service for, for charities that have kind of made that leap from, okay, we're accepting and exchanging. Now we actually want to hold, uh, which we think is important to provide. Uh, and then, you know, we also take care of the tax documents that are required so that, you know, the IRS requires an 8282 form for the charity to fill out. We automatically generate that from the charity. And then for the donor, uh, 
you know, once it's over a donation's over five hundred dollars, they have to file an eighty-two eighty-three, uh, and then for donations over five thousand, they were required to have an appraisal. Uh, so our system actually will generate the 8283 in appraisal via DocuSign process that we that we put the donor through. So there's sort of all these value added features and uh, you know various functions that are related uniquely to crypto as this non cash asset that are different than kind of your traditional securities donation or, or what have you. And so we we provide kind of an end to end solution and then we educate uh, our clients and that's a, that's a big part of it is the education. And the ability to probably pass that education on to people who might have cryptocurrencies, allowing the nonprofit to educate in turn their donors. Yeah, without question, you know, just just the basic understanding that that appreciated Bitcoin when donated is is really one of the best tax benefits a donor can have. And uh, for the donors that don't know that, you know, the organization is is really armed with some great you know material to to present to their donors to get them to. Uh, to, to make those donations. And, and we are seeing that specifically Bitcoin donations are, uh, you know, they're so much higher than your average credit card donation. I mean, I think, you know, at least 150 times higher than the average. Uh, and so th- these are major gifts and, and Bitcoin, you know, without question uh, is, is a major gift. As an example, you know, we processed a $10 million Bitcoin donation to, to a charity last year. And you know, for for organizations that don't think that that Bitcoin provides a a, a great donation asset, it's like, well, ju- just look at the impact a ten million dollar gift can make. Uh, so, so this is real. This is happening, and you know, certainly Bitcoin has been you know kind of leading you know leading the uh, the conversation as a as a, a, a donation asset. And so, what are some of the conversations you have with nonprofits when it comes to whether or not they should hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet or sell it immediately. Are there any general principles you help to talk people through, or is it too specific to each given situation that you couldn't give guidance right here? You know, I think it, 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 it's a pretty general topic. I mean, I, yes, every organization is a little bit unique. Uh, we have some organizations that have been building crypto portfolios for years, and they are just firm, firm believers, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, a, a church that I can do, that just comes to mind, you know, they're specifically building a, a Bitcoin portfolio from donors who are giving Bitcoin. They're holding it. They they have a, a internal understanding of why they're doing it, and they're very comfortable with the fact that you know the price of Bitcoin will likely be volatile, as it always has been, uh, and, and so they're comfortable with it. They had their gift acceptance policy uh, supports it. And I think that's that's kind of where the discussion usually bring, you know usually goes. So if a charity says you know we're interested in holding we're interested in holding Bitcoin, uh, I'll typically say or one of our one of our sales executives will typically ask them, well, do you have a gift acceptance policy that supports this? Uh, is your board okay with this? Is your you know you just want to make sure you've got that internal buy-in for the organizations that do? Uh, it's pretty straightforward. They can obviously update their you know their policy as as needed. Um, but beyond that, I think it's philosophical. You know, I think, you know, the, the other question I always ask is, well, if, if, if someone donates uh, half a million dollars in Bitcoin, do you need those assets to run your mission? Do you, do you need that? Um, if you do, then I would suggest not holding it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you believe that you can, uh, if, if, if you can run your organization without that, um, I would say absolutely. Uh you know, my, and people will oftentimes say, well, what's your personal preference? Like, what, what's the price of Bitcoin going to be at the end of the year? And of course, 
I have my own theories, <laughs> but I don't know the That's answer dangerous. to that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can, I can obviously say that like, I, I am very much, you know, a, a, I have a very long-term view on the price of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and I'm very bullish on it, but I also don't, I also don't need it to run my mission. And that's, that's a huge distinction that I think charities need to, to carefully you know, consider as they decide whether or not they're going to, they're going to hold. I have heard someone say that there could be some difficulty with uh, working with their CPA, like CPAs aren't necessarily big fans of the implications of holding Bitcoin on a balance sheet, especially for a nonprofit. Any, any thoughts there? Is that FUD or is there some <laughs> legitimacy to that? And maybe does that does that affect who you choose as a CPA as well? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. You know, we we have relationships with a number of uh, of firms that specialize in you know tax services for charities, and and I think by and large. Uh, CPAs are just trying to get their arms around it. And I think that's probably it. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks in the financial services area uh, in general, when new, when new assets come along and they don't quite understand, they tend to just want to get rid of it. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's just, you know, that's just unnecessary. There's a, there's enough, uh, there's enough good information out nowadays, whether it's, it's tax code, whether it's, um, the way that that crypto is treated by the SEC, or specifically Bitcoin, and what they've said about it, uh, it's not a heavy lift to, to 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 go from from sort of not understanding it to understanding how you know how it should be on the balance sheet and valuing it and and, and what have you. And again, you know, this is one of the areas where you know we you know we try to provide as much um, information as as we can. Uh, so, for example, our CFO is also a CPA. And he's, you know, he's very uh, in tune with what's going on with, uh, you know, with, with how to classify uh, Bitcoin donations and uh, whether they're held or, or, uh, or not. Uh, and so I think it's, it's more just the effort. Um, so, yeah, I would say that, that that's an area where, you know, CPAs need to just, they just need to get up to speed. It's, it's, it's not going to go away. So it's, uh, it's, it's just a good thing for them to, to, you know, to really learn about. And from what I can tell, more and more information every day, more and more conferences that, that tax professionals attend, crypto seems to be a topic of conversation at many of them. Well, I want to give you a chance in just a second to plug where people can go to find out more about your organization and how they can work with you. But before that, are there any things that you feel like would be helpful for the nonprofit board member? leader, whoever it might be, anything for them to know before we finish out today's interview that we happen to skip over, miss, whatever in our conversation today? Sure. Uh, I think the main thing is, is, is to do their due diligence. Every organization is different. Every organization has a certain amount of uh, due diligence that they need to go through to make good financial decisions, and so I would just say, with, with regard to accepting crypto, don't don't shortcut your your internal controls or your existing processes uh, in order to you know quickly get a crypto solution on board. Uh, but I would encourage to look around, you know, maybe at other organizations that that are like like yours, and see if they're using crypto, see who they're using. Uh, there's there's a lot of great there's a lot of great ways to, you know, to accept crypto these days. Uh, we're certainly not the only solution out there. Um, we, you know, we believe that we have, uh, you know, the the best solution. But 
you know, I think it's just don't wait. Uh, start your process now. There, we know that there are a limited number of, of, of nonprofits accepting crypto at this point, and that means there's donors out there that that have donations they want to make. And if they can't make it to your organization, they'll make it to an, a, one that that accepts it. And so there's really not a lot of downside at this point to starting that process and, and figuring out what's the right the right path. So. Get, get going on it before Q4 is what I would say. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. And if people do want to get going on it before Q4, where can people go if they want to find out what it looks like to work with you? Uh, yeah. So go to ingiven.com. Uh, our website provides a lot of great information and then uh, more than happy to uh, to connect and do a demo, walk you through the process, talk about kind of all the things we've talked about today. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very methodical in terms of how we, uh, we onboard. So, uh, yeah, please take a look and we'd, uh, we'd love to, to serve you. Well, James, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, hope to be back at some point. All right, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out, our email is info at bizbitshow.com. Also, if you haven't done so yet, go ahead and scroll on down to the show notes. There you'll find ways to connect with me and our guest, as well as our excellent sponsors who can help you succeed in your life and in your business. Keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, thank you. If you want to take a further step in your support for the show, you can help us grow by listening on Fountain, a value-for-value podcast app on iOS or Android. If you hear something you like that you disagree with or anything else, you can share it by sending some sats and adding a comment with your thoughts. Some of you have already done this, and I appreciate it. I'm going to begin reading your boosts on upcoming episodes, so if you have some insight or value to add, let the people know. Getting started with Fountain is easy. You can add Bitcoin to your Fountain wallet by using your fiat accounts or any lightning wallet and one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app you can earn sats just by listening on fountain check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today